Good morning. morning. Welcome to our Sunday morning worship. We're very pleased this morning to welcome David Evans, who's going to lead us in our worship today. How was that? Just one small notice. Um, This evening at four o'clock is Space, which is here, and you're all invited. And very welcome. Let us just have a moment of silence and focus on what, why we're here. Holy Spirit, touch again the worship we bring to you. Speak through the hymns we will sing, the words we will hear, the prayers we will offer, and the worship we will share so that your fruits may grow within us, your gifts be released, your power displayed, and your counsel given. Open our hearts to all you would say and all you would do among us, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. to start with a few words from uh, a well-known song, a well-known hymn, whatever you want to call it, but we're not going to sing it this morning. I just want us to think about these words as I read them to us, words that reflect on this day of Pentecost. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Break me, melt me, mould me, fill me. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. So as we come to worship God on this day of Pentecost, we join together as we sing uh, number 20 or... It's up on the screens. Be still for the presence of the Lord. The Holy One is here. Come bow before him now with reverence and fear. In him no sin is found. We stand on holy ground. Be still for the presence of the Lord. The Holy One is here.
I heard a story the other day which uh, I thought I want to share with you a little bit of that story, but probably not quite in the way that story was told to me. What do we think about if we think about light? What is the source of light? The sun. I was at a meeting at school one day last week, and I was told a story about what one of our pupils in our school here said in a science lesson of what the source of light was. Do you think you might know what that child said? That child said, Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus is the light of the world. And as we think today about the spirit and God's spirit in us, I wanted us to just, at the beginning of our worship this morning, think about light. Because light is something that you can't touch, but something that touches you. Something that we see with and we see because of. I wore my jacket today because it's quite useful having pockets in it. And I've brought something with me that might help us look at light this morning. A torch. But uh, just to show there's no trickery here, I'm going to ask Margaret to see if she can switch this torch on. <laughs> Has it got batteries in it? Has it got batteries in it? <laughs> well, we'll tell you. Well, it needs two. (laughs) It needs two. This torch to work needs two batteries. I couldn't find a torch that just needed one battery. (laughs) See, it works now. Jesus, the light of the world. This torch doesn't work without its batteries. Very often, we don't work without what we call our batteries. What are our batteries, our things that make it... I'm not supposed to say things, am I? (laughs) What makes us tick? What makes us work? Stress? Stress probably does make us work, makes us work harder, makes us work differently, makes us think about work that comes in front of us. But I didn't really want to talk about stress this morning. But probably we don't talk about it enough, do we? Food, rest, recreation. 
the air we breathe, the light we see with. All these things are what make us work. And all those are provided to us by God. God who sent his Holy Spirit. His Holy Spirit to fill us with his power, with his energy, with his stress even. Things to make us think. And I've said it again. We need to be filled with that Holy Spirit. So today, as we remember that gift of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, let us be filled with that power as we come to worship God. So now we're going to join in our prayers as we say thank you to God for all that he gives us, all that he is to us, and all that he makes us in this his world. So let us pray. Gracious Father, our Lord God, we come as your people to worship you, to give you our thanks and praise. We come in the power of your Holy Spirit, which fills us, which empowers and enables us which gives us that strength to go out into the world as the light of the world, that light of the world which is Jesus Christ. And as we thank you, we thank you for the gift of your Spirit, the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ, the gift of life itself, We thank you that we can be full of that power, that strength, that light that goes out into the world from us. That light which needs that battery to work. That battery which is found in you. But as we thank you, we're conscious that so often we forget that you are our strength. We forget that you need to be at the center of all that we do. We rely on ourselves, on our own strength, on our own power. So, Father God, forgive us. Because we come now and we say... We're sorry. Sorry for when we failed you and failed others. Sorry for when we've not done those things that you wanted us to do. Sorry for when we failed. But we know that you gave us your son. You gave us your spirit and you have forgiven us. You continually forgive us for those things that we do wrong. And we thank you. We thank you from the very bottom of our hearts. And so, Lord God, we offer our service to you now. Take this act of worship. Take what we are. Take what we can be and make us great for you. 
For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. And now together we join in saying the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. So now we turn again to song as we sing the hymn, which is number 293, if you're following in the books, or again, it's up on the screen. All heaven declares the glory of the risen Lord, who can compare with the beauty of the Lord forever. He will be the lamb upon the throne. I gladly bow the knee and worship him alone. Number 293. I did understand that perhaps the children were going out today. Yes, yes, they are, yes. Um, We'll have a word of prayer with the children just before they leave us for their instruction. So let us pray. Father God, we pray for our children. We pray for our people. We pray for ourselves. We pray that we might learn more about you in all that we do and all that we are. And all that we can be. Amen.
Our first reading this morning is from the book of Colossians, starting at chapter 1, verse 24, through to chapter 2, verse 15. Paul's labour for the church. Now I rejoice in what was suffered for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the saints. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We proclaim him, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present to everyone perfect in Christ. To this end, I labour, struggling with all his energy, which so powerfully works in me. I want you to know how much I am struggling for you and for those at Laodicea, and for all who have not met me personally. My purpose is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love, so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding, in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. For though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit and delight to see how orderly you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world, rather than on Christ. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and you have been given fullness in Christ, who is the head over every power and authority. In him, you were also circumcised in the putting off of sinful nature, not with the circumcision done by the hands of men, but with the circumcision done by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism and raised with him through your faith in the power of God, who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having cancelled the written code with its regulations that was against us and stood opposed to us. He took it away, nailing it to the cross, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Amen. Thanks be to God.
The second reading is taken from John's Gospel, chapter 14, verses 8 to 17. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip, even after I have been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, Show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you are not just my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe in me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do all, will do all what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. If you love me, you will obey what I command. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counsellor to be with you forever, the Spirit of Truth. Thanks be to God for this reading. Amen. This month, as we're looking at this book of Colossians, we have a number of long readings, long passages to look at. Perhaps the powers that be decided that we'd get fed up with Colossians if we looked at it in smaller chunks. But perhaps there's so much in that letter, in that word of Paul, that it would be worth thinking about it in some more depth. Because as I've sat here just now listening again to those words, there are other things that have come into my mind that I thought, well, Perhaps I could have said that. Perhaps we should think about this. Perhaps we should go away and look more closely at what God is saying to us here and now. But our song now is going to remind us of what is at the centre of all that we believe, of all that we are. It's the hymn 690, or again, it's going to be up on the screen. The church's one foundation is Jesus Christ, her Lord. She is his new creation by water and the word. From heaven he came and sought her to be his holy bride. With his own blood he bought her, and for her life he died. The church's one foundation.
Colossians chapter 2 and verse 2. My purpose is that they may be encouraged. My purpose is that they may be encouraged. That's what I wanted us to think about for a while this morning. Our purpose. Paul is well known for writing these letters. Letters of advice, of rebuke, of concern. Sometimes perhaps we think of Paul as a bit of a a know-it-all. Paul, the man who had an answer for everything and a point of view on everything. An opinion which he wanted to share. And perhaps sometimes we think that Paul was a bit too opinionated, a bit too set in his way and that his way was the only way. Someone who perhaps knows better. And yet, we very often turn to his letters when we're looking for advice, when we're looking for hope, when we're looking for joy. We look at Paul's letters for the rules on Christian living. We often look at what Paul has to say if we're thinking about the fruits of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit. But what of this letter? This letter that we're looking at over the next few weeks that Kevin started us looking at last week. We all have a different take on what that letter is saying to us. What perhaps do we think this letter is about? I perhaps gave my sermon for today a title of Life in Christ. And that for me was what this section of this letter was really talking about. Life in Christ and life in general. When I was talking earlier and... uh, Jean said to us that one of the sources of life was stress. Perhaps at the beginning of this passage that we read here, we'd be thinking about Paul being stressed. Paul here talking about what the struggle was that he was having. Paul talking about how difficult things were perhaps for him. And letters are a tool with which people used to share experiences, share thoughts and share concerns. One day during the week there was... um, a report on the news about uh, an auction that was taking place of some uh, letters that had been written by Beatrice 
Potter. And that led me to think for a while about letter writing. I still write lots of letters, but I'm perhaps in a minority of writing letters because of the job that I do. The letter that Beatrix Potter wrote then was to somebody who had baked a cake. A thank you letter. When I was a child, I was often encouraged to write those thank you letters for birthday presents, Christmas presents. Thank you for stuff that had gone on. And perhaps how we live today, everything is so instantaneous that people don't sit down and think about what they have to be thankful for. And as we think about letters that perhaps we write or things that we think about, when was the last time that you received a letter that was really personal, specifically for you? Giving you some advice, something to think about. When was it that we last received that personal letter? As I said, this letter of Paul is very much about Christ. Christ at the centre of all we do. The privilege and the task our struggles, love's struggle, and what marks out a faithful church, what marks us out being special to God. I asked before, when was the last time that you wrote a letter? And although perhaps we don't write the same number of personal letters that people once did, it might be worth us thinking for a few moments about what, as a church here in Bamber Bridge in 2019, the advice for us might be if someone was writing that letter to us. What concerns might Paul or anyone else writing to us have? What might they wish to warn us against what might they wish to encourage us with? If I just leave you with that thought for a few moments, we'll move on. Move on with what Paul had to say to the Colossians. We're picking up this uh, account nearly at the end of chapter 1, which is a passage entitled Paul's Labour for the Church. Now I rejoice in what I suffered for you. Well, do we really? Do we really rejoice in suffering? That was my reaction when Jean said that we are empowered by stress. 
we don't really want to think very much about stress and we don't really want to think very much about struggles, about what we find difficult. We probably don't much care for this talk of suffering. And Paul says that he rejoices in what was suffered for his readers. He talks of Christ's suffering and in doing so reminds us, his readers, that Christ suffered so that we might be free. He talks of being the servant of the church. He talks of Christ in you. So as I said, this letter is very much about Christ at the very centre of everything. At the centre of what we do, of who we are, of how we interact with other people. And yet... It's not easy. We do face those trials. We do face those stresses. We do have problems along the way. Perhaps problems that we don't like to talk about. Problems that we don't like to share with others. Those doubts, those fears... that we think just we have. And yet, if we would open up and talk to people about them, perhaps other people are experiencing the same type of concern. Paul says, we proclaim him, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. To this end I labour, struggling with all his energy, which so powerfully works in me. As we're reminded that today is Pentecost. Pentecost when we think about the power of the Spirit coming down onto his church. That power of his Spirit coming down onto us. It's not just a story that we're happy to read in a book. It's not just something that happened thousands of years ago. It's what keeps our light alive. This was Paul's vocation. This was Paul's mission. This was Paul's aim, to proclaim Christ Jesus as Lord. What is your vocation? What is our mission? What is my aim? Mission statements are quite a popular thing. Sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. The meeting I was at at school last week was talking about our mission statement as a school. We have a mission statement as a church. 
But what is it? Can anyone tell me what it is? I'm not going to ask really. That's just a rhetorical question. But that was the sort of question that I was being challenged with by our head teacher. We have a mission statement. But what is it? What does it mean? What difference does it make if it's just on a piece of paper, on a shelf, in a cupboard, in the bin? Some words that don't mean anything. I did have to look up our mission statement. I'm going to tell you what it is and see whether any sort of lights come on and think, oh yes, I remember that. Bamber Bridge Methodist Church, committed to seeking God and serving people. Committed to seeking God and serving people. Words, phrases, to sum up a purpose, our purpose, our aim. Are they good words? Good words to put into action. Committed. Committed. But are we? Paul was clear. Paul was clear in what he had to say. Paul said, my purpose is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love. So that they may have the full riches of complete understanding. In order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ. In whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. We could unpack that sentence with so many different aspects. Encouraged in heart. United in love. Full riches, complete understanding. Knowing that mystery of God. Namely, Christ. Christ at the centre in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Are we clear? Do we know what our purpose is? Paul had a very deep concern for churches for which he felt responsible. Churches which he, in a way, was the founder of, the initiator of. But in this letter to the church at Colossae, Paul is showing a greater side to what he was. A greater side to how he expressed the love of Christ. Paul here is shown to have a deep concern for others, for those he hadn't met those he hadn't actually been really instrumental in founding this church. 
So earlier on, I was talking about what a letter to us might be. What the letter to Bamberbridge Methodist Church might say. Probably the last letter that we as a church received, or we as church members received, began with the words, are you sitting comfortably? But perhaps I should say, are are you prepared to stand up for Christ? Are you working in the power of yourself? Or are you working in and through the power of the cross? Are you looking inward? Or are we looking outward with the spirit? That spirit of Christ, that spirit of God, that Holy Spirit which empowers us. We have struggles We have difficulties. We have stresses. We have all sorts that perhaps stands in the way of us being that faithful church that we want to be, that God is making us. But we have Christ. Christ at the very centre. And that's what Paul says. That's what Paul says again and again in this letter. Christ is at the centre. And Jesus said, If you love me, you will obey what I command. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another counsellor to be with you forever. The spirit of truth. Our church is founded in Christ. But it's empowered by the Spirit. We enjoy a good sing. We enjoy having a cup of tea or coffee together. We enjoy having a chat with our friends. But are those the marks of a faithful church? Not really. Not really. We need more than that. Paul said to the Colossians and says to us, So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him. Rooted and built up in him. Strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. We need courage to stand up for what is right. We need to encourage others. We need to be knit together in love. And we need to be equipped with wisdom. Paul says as much. The spirit promised by Jesus was manifest in the church at Pentecost. Is that spirit manifesting us today? God made us 
alive in Christ. Christ that is that light of the world. My purpose is that they may be encouraged. Is that our purpose? Our purpose is to be that others may be encouraged. Amen. So now our hymn is a hymn which reminds us of that power that comes, but that power that comes in that helpless child. It's number 272, or again, it's up on the screen. From heaven you came, helpless babe, entered our world your glory veiled, not to be served, but to serve and give your life that we might live. This is our God the servant king.
And now as we respond to that call upon our lives and our call upon our time and our talents, we receive this morning's offering. As we come with these gifts of our money, we remember what else we give and how else we give. Whether we give of our time, of our money, whether we give of ourselves, of our thoughts, we give all to you, Lord God, for you have given us all and make us all that we are. So take these gifts and use them wisely. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're now going to join in our prayers for others, for the church, for the world and for ourselves. And in our prayers this morning, we'll probably feel quite fortunate that we don't have many people mentioned in our own prayer book, but we still have uh, Sylvia Williams and Edith Hall in our thoughts and other people who are known to us and other situations that we find ourselves in, in a troubled world. So let us pray. Let us pray for all people everywhere according to their needs. If we start by looking a long way away, we look at the wider world. And very often we see places or hear about places where there is suffering where there is drought, where there is famine, where there is flood, where there is earthquake. And we perhaps throw up our hands in horror and say, how can this be? We look at places where there is war and conflict, where there is civil unrest, where the leaders and peoples seem to be at odds with one another. 
And again, we throw up our hands in horror and say, how can this be? But we come, Lord God, with our concerns, with our hopes. We come with our prayers for the leaders of the nations and those who have influence and control. We pray that they may work with justice, with compassion, with understanding. And so we pray for the relief agencies, the peacekeepers, the peace bringers. We pray for all who seek to bring you alive in the world. And so, Lord God, as we've prayed for the world, we pray closer to home. We look after our own country at this time of political uncertainty, this time when perhaps we have become tired with what politicians say and what politicians do. And yet, Lord God, we pray for our politicians. We pray for those who seek to lead this country We pray that they may be guided and directed by what is right, by what is fair, by what is just. That we may all be guided by you and empowered by that Holy Spirit. And so we pray too for our own local community here. We pray for Sylvia and Edith and others known to us who may be in a time of struggle at this moment. Those who may be finding life difficult. Those for whom there is an uncertain future. We know, Lord God, that you are our power, our strength, our battery that you fill us and enable us. And so with your arms of love, you enfold us. You hold us up and guide us. You carry us in your arms. And so, Father God, we pray that we might be for you a light that we might be for you people who guide others into your footsteps, into your way. And we pray, Lord God, for ourselves. We pray that we may have purpose and vision and aim, that we may be filled with your Spirit. So, Father God, take these, our prayers, both our spoken and our silent prayers, and give us your strength, your strength to go out 
and to be your people, knowing that you are our God, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. And so now a hymn to go out on. It's number 303, or again, it's up on the screen. It's, I know that my Redeemer lives. What joy the blessed assurance gives. He lives. He lives who once was dead. He lives my everlasting head. We go into the world in the power of the Spirit to fulfill our high calling as servants of Christ. Thanks be to God. Amen.